me just pray and then I want to bring God's word. I'm so excited. Dear Lord, I thank you for your presence, Lord. Um, thank you, Lord God, that I just love the reminder, Lord God, that we are equal in your eyes, Lord God. We are all in need of a savior. Nobody is good, Lord God. We are all, only one is good. You are good, God, and that is it. And I thank you that we can, Lord, lean in to um, hear your word and your word can transform our hearts and our minds and can help us become more like Jesus. And you lead us and you guide us. And Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you would speak to people's hearts because without your, without your help, without you speaking, we can do nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just want to preach a sermon I've titled, uh, The King, the True Vine. The King, the True Vine. Okay, And our theme this year is a king and a cause. And I love these new banners help us to be able to you know, bring to life what we want to you know, focus upon, the direction that we want to go. A king and a cause. We serve, right, the king of all kings, Jesus Christ, the king of all kings, and the cause of all causes. And of course, this last month, we focused on the cause, right? How much cause focusing did we do through our missions projects? We really brought them to life. Who was blessed by Belinda and Josh? Who was a part of that? How amazing to hear you know, missionaries on the mission field and just really helping us to understand what it is that we do as a church to support them. But we've been focusing on the cause. But today, today, I want to shift our focus a little onto the king. The king, okay? We have a king to love. And by the way, what you'll discover is that you can't separate the king and the cause. It's like, you can't separate Joe and myself. We're, we're, we're together. We're intertwined. We're, you know, God brought us together and what he brought together, you can't pull apart. And the same thing, when you love the king, you love the cause because it is together. But I want to focus on the king. Our king, Jesus, our king, Jesus, has many characteristics, right? And he is described in many different ways through scripture. Many different ways. Just like if you'd ask my wife Jo um, to describe the kind of person I am, she would share my characteristics. Hopefully they're good, right? And they're not bad. She probably knows some bad ones as well. Or she definitely does. To help you identify who I am. So she'd start by saying he's tall, he's handsome. He's, um, <laughs> you know, uh, she would give you an understanding of who I am by the char- my characteristics of, of and, and who I am. So that being said, I'm going to focus on one particular characteristic of our king, of our king, okay? Um, scripture describes our king Jesus, our king Jesus as being the true vine, the true vine. And what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, let's turn to Scripture to find out. I'm going to unpack right, some key verses in the first 16 verses of John 15 right, to learn about the true vine, the true vine. So let's go. We're going to go slowly because we want to be able to, uh, what is it, digest our food, our spiritual food, and we want to go slowly to be able to really capture what God's word says about the true vine. So in John 15, 1, it says this, I am the true vine, and my, fa- my father is the vine dresser. Verse 1, let's start there. 
it reveals that King Jesus is the source of life. He's the true vine. What are we? We are the branches, right? But the branches without the vine, right? There's no, there's no life coming through. He is the source of life. He is the one that, that allows us to have life. If we stay connected to him, we naturally bear fruit. If you are connected to the true vine, you will produce good fruit. It is the will, let me tell you this, it is the will of God that you be fruitful in every good work, the Bible says in Colossians, in every good work. Fruitful in your marriage, okay? Or as a single person, fruitful. Fruitful in raising children, right? Or fruitful in raising children or in raising them to love the Lord, right? Being fruitful in that. Fruitful in finance, being a good steward of God's provision. You know, that's another aspect of fruitfulness that, you know, we can be fruitful in when we are connected to the vine. Fruitful in my occupation, being motivated by my desire to please God. Do everything as though you were doing it unto who? Unto Him. Connected to the vine, His will is for you, for, for myself, for us, to be fruitful. If we stay connected to Him, let me say it again, we naturally bear fruit. We do. In fact, it's impossible, right, to not produce good fruit if you are connected to Him. If, because if you're connected to Him, you're a part of Him, right? So let me ask you a question. And this is one of those challenging, reflective questions that I hope you can consider. Are you fruitful? Are you fruitful? If the answer is no, you might want to ask yourself, and this is not a condemning sermon, this is just to bring truth alive, hopefully can bring truth alive into your hearts. You might want to ask yourself, am I truly connected to Him? Because naturally I will bear fruit if I am connected to Him. If I'm not bearing fruit, am I truly connected to Him? So we're going to discover what it means to truly be connected to Him a little later on. So just stay with me. Verse 1. Also, can I put verse 1 back up there, Carl, if you don't mind? Verse 1 also reveals that our Heavenly Father is the vine dresser. Okay? Now, a vine dresser, and I had to look this up because I'm not an expert at some of these, some of these vine dresser words or whatever, is a person who prunes, okay, trains and cultivates vines. And I was thinking about that. Um, Joe and I, I was thinking about our um, terrible ability to prune, cultivate and train our, you know, beautiful flowers and roses in the front of our house. We just, who has a green thumb? Can anyone put their hand up? Because I'll ask after church if you can just pray for us. Because we don't have a green thumb, right? But the vine dresser, right, in other words, he owns us and cares for us. That's what he does. And part of that process, and this will lead into the next verse, 
is pruning. As much as we don't like being pruned, training us and cultivating the vine. Without the pruning, you are not going to be fruitful because it's necessary. I know that much for sure that you, know, you need to prune things in the garden to make them reproduce beautiful flowers or fruit or whatever. Okay, So he cares for us, right? John 15, 2, let's move on. It says this, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay, that is, like I said, not the easiest thing to hear. The word prune, what it actually means, or it's referring to, is a cleansing. It's a cleansing. He cleanses you. He cleanses me. We, we need that cleansing, right? I love it, heard that when we're, when we're saved, right, we're saved. Praise the Lord, right? But when, you, you know, when you're traveling out you know, and, and doing your thing, going from A to B, if you're you know, in, the, in the times of, of Jesus, they'd be wearing sandals or whatever, they'd still wash their feet. They'd still have to wash their feet, even if the rest of the body was clean. He cleanses us. He continues. The process of sanctification is a continuation of Him cleansing us from our impurities and from the things that hinder us from fulfilling His purpose and His plan for our life. Amen? God removes anything that hinders our usefulness because you, right, have a purpose and a plan in Him. But for you to fulfill that, He needs to remove, right, the things that hinder us and that are not useful. He trims our weaknesses, okay? Without the pruning, we can't be fruitful. We must have pruning. God uses something that I wanted to actually share is He uses our relationships often to prune us. Has anyone had an opportunity to be pruned by the fact that you're in relationship with people, family, whatever? I know this, yep, thank you, Carla, one. <laughs> A couple more. This week, actually, I had the opportunity of um, you know, spending some time with my younger brother and my father. Ben came a couple weeks ago, but he's, going, he's, he's back in London now. But the point is, you know, when you're with family, family knows how to push your buttons, right? True? They know how to push your buttons. And what's, what's funny is sometimes when they push the buttons, you know, you, there are, there's a response, there's a reaction that comes out. It's like a trigger, right? That of, of um, things that you're not proud of. Like, for example, I found myself this week a couple of times justifying myself and trying to find my approval with my family and making sure that they know what I mean because God forbid they don't know what I mean. <laughs> or God forbid they don't think I'm as good as I think I am. God forbid that, right? But the point is, triggers, right, sometimes are, are, are pressed by a family and different things. And I, I kind of went to the scripture. It was funny because I had this moment where I was feeling a little bit frustrated and I walked away, got my Bible, and I'm reading through this passage and I, and I hear how he prunes us. And I'm like, wow. So in relationships, often the case is that we, there, there are reactions, there's responses that come out of us that are weaknesses, right? That hinder our usefulness. 
And praise God that He allows us to experience those moments because He wants to cleanse us. He doesn't want us to stay in the same place. He needs us to go from glory to glory, from strength to strength. He needs us to go from our imperfect state to become more like Him. And He allows us to do that. And you know what I said to God? I said, God, from this experience, and by the way, I had a good time with my family. I want to let you know that. My family's wonderful. I love my dad. I love my brother. They're wonderful people. They're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people, for the record, especially if they listen to it. Okay? Wonderful people. But I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, can you please own my triggers? Own my triggers. I don't want anybody to own my triggers. You know, say something and I react or I respond in a certain way. I want the response when I'm pressed to be one that is submitted, surrendered to God's word and how he wants me to conduct myself and say, Lord, my approval comes from you. My identity is in you. I don't need anybody to tell me who I am. I don't need to prove myself to anybody. Amen? Come on. He prunes us. Let's move on. John 15, 3 to 4 says, You are already clean because of the word, as I said before. We're washed, right, if you're saved, which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. There is no such thing, right, as producing fruit on your, out, on your own without being connected to the life source, Jesus Christ. There is no such thing. So I'll ask the question again. Are you fruitful? If not, are you truly connected to the vine? Let that stir up in your heart and, and, and let you think about the, the questions I'm asking. Verse 4 teaches us that we don't artificially push fruit out. We cannot. It's not on us. No, no, no. Rather, our job is this, to stay connected to the vine. Stay connected to the vine. The word abide, it means this. It means to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. Abide, continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, stand, tarry. Is that you? The description of abide. Is that you? Is that me? The meaning of abide. Is that your approach towards pursuing King Jesus, the true vine? Because the scripture says, abide in me. And you want to know what that means by abide. You want to know as a Christian, you want to grow. You want to, like, what does that mean, Lord, to abide? Because I want, to, I want to abide in you, because without abiding in you and you in me, I cannot produce any fruit, because I'm not connected. The meaning of abide is a powerful word. Our job is to stay connected to the vine. Without being connected to the vine, it's impossible to produce fruit, as I've said. Verse 4 reveals, right? It reveals, reveals something very special. It reveals a partnership. A partnership between us and God. Because he says, abide in me and I in you. Isn't it crazy that it's mutual? Isn't that crazy? That as much as we are called to abide in him, 
He abides in us. And He wants to be in your world. He wants to be ever present in your thoughts, in your decision making, in your aspirations, in your dreams, in your challenges. He wants to be in that place abiding with you as you abide with Him. It's a partnership. Amen. John 15, 5 says this. Let's continue on. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me. Now we know what the meaning of abide is. We've just gone there. Right? And I in him bears much fruit. Praise God. Much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Don't you love hearing that? <laughs> love it. I love, I love hearing that. Because... Often we try and operate without Him and we think we can somehow get away with it. But we always come to the same conclusion, without Him, we can do nothing, nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Right? I think to myself, there are people amongst us that are withered. And again, my question to us, to challenge us, is perhaps... The withering comes from, and the Bible says it, if anyone does not abide, you're not abiding with him. You are withered, right? It's a challenge for us to consider, am I abiding in him? And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. Listen to this. You ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. We see that there is a promise in this scripture. There's a a promise. Verse 7 teaches us that if we let His Word, right, abide in us, He promises He will do what we ask. Now, let let me go a little further with this. Notice the order. Okay, take notice of the order. Abide first. Abide first. I in him, him in me. Then ask. Then ask. And that's an important order. I'll tell you why. Because when his word, when it abides in us, it purifies us, cleanses us from our selfish desires, right? And realigns our desires with His. Right? You can't help but begin to think kingdom thoughts. Heavenly thoughts. Not temporal thoughts, but thoughts that are higher. His thoughts. When you abide with Him. Your asking becomes, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's what, that you suddenly your heart is centered around what matters to our God because you're getting to know Him. You're spending a lot of time with Him. I spend time with Joe. I know her very well. She knows me very well. We abide together. We, we spend time together. Not my will, but rather your will be done in all the details of my life, in every part, Lord. You see it. Your will be done. My asking, church, becomes motivated by the longing to please Him and not me. As we abide with Him and He abides with us. 
John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I've said this before that you as a Christian, right, you do have a purpose. You have a plan. It's not to stay dormant. It's the seed that is meant to multiply. Your life, right, God calls our life to multiply in him for others to be, able to, to be able to discover Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about we can't save anybody. I know that. But I'm talking about allowing God to take us and make us who he wants us to be. Verse 8 reminds us of our purpose. God created us to glorify him. Do you think a seed that doesn't multiply and that stays dormant like a withered branch, do you think that glorifies him? No, it doesn't. When you are connected to the life source, right, it's natural to bear fruit. And when you bear fruit, guess who gets glory for it? He does. Because he is the life source. Because without me being connected to him, it's impossible. So you are intended to be fruitful and for him to receive the glory in Jesus' name. God created us to glorify him by bearing much fruit. When, the, when you abide in him and his word abides in you, expect much fruit. Expect it. And the glory will always go to him. Amen. The king, the true vine. The king, the true vine. Are we learning something about the true vine? Are we challenged this morning? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts about what kind of abiding? You know, if I was to scale 1 to 10, what, if, what kind of abiding am I on the scale of 1 to 10? Is it a 1 for a barely ever? Or is it like, Lord, I'm pursuing you. I want to abide with you. I want, to, I want you to abide with me. I want to see fruit. John 15, 9 says this, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. <laughs> the amount of times you hear abide, abide is such a strong you know, direction here, correction you know, in this passage. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I said it at the beginning of my sermon, and I'll say it again. It is the will of God that you be fruitful in every good work. But Jesus gives one condition in this verse. We must obey God. Okay? If you're, not only are we abiding, when you're abiding, you will begin to <laughs> obey his commandments because you love being with him. Right? It's just a, it's a, I guess obeying his commandments becomes a byproduct of your life rather than I must obey the commandments, I must not steal, I must not blah, 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 blah. No, no, I prioritize my abiding byproduct. I follow his commands. But perhaps you don't follow his commands. Maybe there are some amongst us here that we don't follow his commands and we wonder why our life is not fruitful. And this is just, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm just here to bring you the word. What the word says, I want to present it to you. I want to serve you this morning. But Jesus gives one condition to all this. You must obey God. We are to remain in him. Receive 
from Him and reproduce for Him. Every time about Him, about Him. I'm going to finish with a verse, and in a moment I'll, I'll, I'll welcome the worship team back up. But let me go through this last kind of verse, and then I'll, I'll finish this passage actually for those who might not know Jesus. But John 15:11 says, "These things I have spoken to you, that my joy, whose joy, His joy, right?" may remain in you and that your joy may be full. What, what an incredible verse. When you abide with Him and Him in you and you in Him, when you obey His commandments, you have His joy. Could you imagine living with a joy that Jesus Christ had? What kind of joy would that be? Your joy may be, what, half empty, quarter? No, it may be full. It may be full. Your joy may be full. There is a prerequisite for the joy to be full, for you to have His joy. There is instructions, clear ones. If you're lacking joy in your life, turn your attention to Scripture. Abide in Him and Him in you. Follow His commands. Follow His commands as the, as the most important part of your life. And your joy will be full and you experience His joy. I, I, I hold on to that with all my heart. I love that. I want that. Can I have the worship team come up if that's okay? And I'll finish with the last couple verses. Um, verse 12 says this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay, And 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And I want to share with you that, with that verse. I said at the beginning, there might be some here that aren't connected to him, that aren't in relationship with him. He did this for you. Greater love. He did this for you. He did this for me. Greater love has no one in this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus Christ laid his life down for you and for me. Gave everything, died on a cross, bore our sin, bore our shame, bore our diseases on the cross, was whipped, was scorned, was spat upon, was humiliated, was put to shame for us for the purpose of us being able to become righteous, to be able to walk into a relationship with Him. He had to take on the sin of the world, the sin of us, to bridge that gap. 14 says, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. You are a friend of God. If you know Him, you are a friend of God. That's an incredible thing. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain 
that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Again, a reminder of the order of how things ought to be. But my encouragement is, you know what? If you're in this place and you are hearing this message, let me tell you something. I truly believe he chose you to be here. He chose you to be here. You didn't make, you think you make decisions and choices. Hey, God gives life and he takes it away. He allows us to make choices. He allowed you to make a choice to be here today. And my encouragement to you is, as he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. If you do not know him, allow me to invite you to respond this morning to him choosing you by hearing this message, by being convicted in your heart, to realizing that I do not abide with him. I am a withered branch. I am not connected to the true source. I am one who breaks his commandments. Let me encourage you right now. This is for you. This, this choosing of him, choosing you, is for you right here, right now. So let's close our eyes for a moment and let's respect those around us. Dear Lord,